Well, let's get straight into our Municipal Watch feature. Joining us on the show today is Moses Miaka. He is the Chief Director responsible for Government Financial Statistics at Stats SA. Uh, Mr. Miaka, good morning. Good morning, Katie, and the SAFM listeners. Let me also welcome uh, to the conversation the Salga President, Tembi Ngadimeng. Ms. Ngadimeng, good morning. Good morning, Katie, and good morning to the viewers. Thank you for for being part of this conversation as well. I suppose a good place to start off would be just uh, more broadly in terms of this non-financial census, especially from a stats SA point of view, Mr. Miyaga. Speak to us about what the census, the purpose of it really is and what we derive about service delivery in municipalities from this study. Thank you, uh, madam. The survey on its own, its purpose is to look on the non-financial services by municipalities. We've got two types of surveys that we are conducting based on municipalities. We've got the financial census of municipalities, where we look on the finances, the revenue, the expenditure trend. And then when it comes to the non-financial, we look upon the four main basic services. That is, we look upon the water services, electricity, sanitation, and solid waste management. And in addition to that, we also look upon the human resource management of municipalities in terms of how many mayors, executive mayors, councillors, municipality, management as well as the general workforce and the rate of vacancies in all the 257 municipalities. When it comes to the picture, this is an annual survey where yeah, in as far back as 2002, we've been running the survey. And concerning the trend, year in, year out, it varies because it depends upon what are the main services that have been provided, especially the focus being on the basic services and the free basic services, which includes the beneficiaries. So comparing then for the two years, 2019 and the previous year, 2018, those are the two reference periods that we look upon. For water services and that is all the four basic services. We have seen an increase of about around 5.2% for water, 4.2% for electricity, 58 for the solid waste, and 76 for the sewerage and sanitation. Interestingly, when it comes to the free basic services, we have seen some huge declines in all those four. For water, a decrease of 25.8%, and for sewage and sanitation, 21.7. And then when you go to the solid waste management, 8.7. And for electricity, it's 6.1. There are many factors that drive these two. When it comes to the basic services, the increase in the population within the municipalities who needs more services, add more onto that. Whereas when it comes to the free basic services decline, there are many factors that are driving that decline. Amongst them is relation to the broad-based 
whereby now the municipality will define the benchmark or the cutoff point of who is defined as someone who would need the free basic service. And the self-targeting, where they'll zoom into certain areas within their jurisdiction and say, this community, we want to provide free basic services to them. And this type of community, we want to limit such services. And the time, it's because of the technological use, where now for services like water and electricity, they improve the technology of how people access such services. So, so, last, uh, so sorry, one, so, uh, Mr. Mieka, while you're still there, so yeah. on the issue of the um, decline in free basic services, the, the, the delivery of free basic services, is that based on the fact that municipalities are changing criteria, therefore um, there are less households that are considered to be indigent households than before? Look, that is one of the factors. Here mm-hmm. we're talking of 257 municipalities that operate differently when it comes to defining. Let me make a practical example. Okay, let's do this. I'm going to allow you to to make that point after this quick break. I I understand that it's not something that's necessarily going to take a minute. Let me quickly go to break. I'm in conversation with Moses Miaka. He is the chief director responsible for government financial statistics at Stats SA. We're also joined by the Salga president, Tembi Ngadimeng. We're talking about the non-financial census of municipalities. And it really looks at the state of service delivery in municipalities. And, you know, it's. I thought it would be just a, a great piece of research to look at because we're having this conversation every Tuesday looking at the state of municipalities. And this really paints a picture of what's happening um, on the ground and perhaps explains what, why the experience sometimes uh, when it comes to accessing services is the way that it is. So we'll continue our conversation after this. Remember, the number to use that uh, that you can get in touch with us this morning is zero. Zero double one four eight two one eight six three. That's zero double one four eight two one eight six three. Kathy Musasana is leading the conversation on across South Africa right now. Now, now. Stay tuned to SAFM. We continue the conversation here today. It's our Municipal Watch feature and Moses Miaka is with Statistics South Africa. He's breaking down the numbers in terms of the latest non-financial census of municipalities. Tembin Gadimeng is also on the line. She's, she's the Salga president and we'll be getting her view in a moment. So, Mr. Miaka, you were still explaining to us in terms of these numbers um, that we're looking at because we've seen that there is an increase in basic services across the board, but we're also seeing a decline in free basic services and a decline in indigent households, which off the face of it should really be good news. Uh, And you're explaining the role that the criteria of municipalities that it plays in in determining these outcomes. Thanks, Chad. The main reason for the decline as I was trying to indicate was that if you look on the free basic services policy, there is a minimum requirement that is provided. 
It's been introduced since 2001, where you look upon the free basic service for water, they've got a minimum of six kiloliters. For electricity, 50 kilowatts. And for the storages, 50 rand. And lastly, for the solid waste management, also 50 rand. But if you go to certain municipalities that have got good services and also good management, they are cut off point. They've increased them. Instead of looking at 50 kilowatts, they look upon 100 kilowatts for electricity, free basic electricity. And the main driving force surrounding all this is when it comes to the resource management. How well are the municipalities resourced? In terms of revenue, are they able to sustain when they provide more free services? And the other factor that is causing the decline is the migration. Migration of community members from certain municipalities, especially the rural areas, to the urban areas, as well as also to the other provinces, which are more wealth when it comes to the economy. So those municipalities now where migration have happened, they've got fewer members now who depend on the free basic services. Mm. And and I don't know if if you would be able to to answer this question or if your research would uh, point to this. But has it been found that when individuals move from a rural area and they fall under you know the in, indigent households, is it guaranteed that if they move to a more urban area, their economic status automatically changes? Well, it won't automatically change, given the fact that, firstly, for the free basic services and the indigent, the community need to register on an annual basis. They need to review their membership. Hence, if you look on the numbers, we've got far more indigent people who are, I mean, far less indigent members who are receiving compared to the free basic. Reason being the beneficiaries the municipalities are not that much strict when it comes to the registration of free basic. If now a person was on the free basic level, but now graduates, either got a better job or a living condition, that person doesn't go back and update his or her details from the municipality. Come the next year, someone will continue and review his or her membership. That is why now it's giving that picture in terms of the decline on the indigents. But at the same time, if you look on the members who are receiving free basic, we still have got more numbers than the indigents. Ms. Nkati Meng, let me bring you into the conversation here and you can speak, I suppose, more specifically from the perspective of the municipalities because you conduct some level of oversight of the municipalities. What are you reading from this uh, survey in particular? Thank you very much, uh, Katie. And let me put it correctly to any uh, listeners. You know, I'm used to you on, on television. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> so I okay. Uh, no, 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 Kathy, you are correct. We we work hand in hand with that SAE in them uh, providing the service that they need to do annually to review both our non-financial and financial basic services that we 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 offer to municipalities. And we have seen our efforts uh, 
collaborating and corroborating the fact that they are able to go and look into our communities and find. Another important factor of the free basic services decline in municipalities besides migration. And to be honest with you, from a mayor's point of view, it is not an automatic change of status if you move from a rural area to Eguruleni, for example, living from Limpopo, where I am. What it does, it distorts a little bit in terms of the spatial framework of Eguruleni in this example, because most of the instances you start in an informal settlement. And this informal settlement will not be having water, will not be having electricity, will not be having roads, will not be having proper spatial plan that is meant to accommodate a human being in a hygienic and a developmental manner that our constitution ascribes to. But secondly, the decrease also comes as a result of unemployment. In this sense, the, the revenue assumption of all municipalities is that you must collect. You offer the service, CATI pays for it, as a municipality, we generate the revenue and we are able to cross-subsidize Kathy's grandmother, who is supposed to receive free basic service because me and you are paying for the service and the municipality can be able to ring fence from its grant from National Treasury and revenue to subsidize a number of our people. Now, if the employment category shrinks, that is a young person or a young able-bodied adult who is supposed to be at work and contribute to his being in a particular municipality so that we could move to be able to subsidize those. You find that there is a, a disjuncture there, but there is a high increase of people who apply, who may not even meet the threshold of what is an indigent. For example, not every unemployed person is an indigent, yet an unemployed grandmother who is a SASA beneficiary is an indigent. The baseline we were using mostly mm. categorically from municipalities is a family which earns 3.5 and less collectively. Mm. So which means it's you, me, granny, grandfather and mom staying together and grandchildren, but we don't surpass a 3.5. Uh, uh, some municipalities, as uh, my colleague said, take it a bit higher, some take it a bit lower. For example, in my municipality, we give the 100 uh, uh, kilowatts instead of the 50. But we have seen our budget moving from around 50 million to 60 million indigents because of changes in the structure economically and uh, the poverty line. Ms. Ingridi, I'm not certain uh, uh, if we may be able to increase more yeah. than that budget. We're going to continue this conversation in a moment. You're raising some very important things that I think South Africans also need to be able to fully understand about this threshold that municipalities are actually working in and, and what it means uh, practically. You know, if, if somebody's unemployed, one would automatically think that that qualifies them to be in a position where they're con- considered to be an indigent household. And I suppose ultimately it becomes about the numbers and then the number of people who are affected. It's just after 11.30. Utile Sako has your latest headlines. The Talking Point with Kathy Motlatana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. 
For our municipal watch feature today, we're looking at StatSA's annual non-financial census of municipalities. And joining us for this conversation is um, an official from StatSA, Moses Miaga. He is the Chief Director for Government Financial Statistics and Salco President Tembi Ngadimeng. Uh, the number to use that you can get in touch with us and be part of this conversation today is 011-482-1863. That's 011-482-1863. Uh, Mr. Gadimeng, you were still speaking about the criteria that uh, municipalities use to actually define who qualifies uh, to fall under indigent households and who doesn't. Looking at the scale and the rate of unemployment in this country, do you think that the the measure that is currently being used is an effective one? As in, does it does it fully encompass all those who who perhaps should fall under uh, indigent households but do not qualify for whatever reasons? No, Katie. I wish, uh, as a mayor, I could be able to cover more. Let's mm. look at it this way. Our constitution says. Water is life. Water is a basic right. You know of many households where you come from, where a mother and a father has passed, but their 45-year-old son has never worked anywhere else. And in how we define an indigent in municipalities, it will be a a household which has got 3.5 income and less. But By design, you start by the elders. So when you are able to reach the the statistics where or the funds where they get to cut off, you find that you don't reach a 45-year-old who is unemployed but still fits what is defined as an indigent. Because an indigent is an elderly, unemployed, special needs in the main. So let's say it's a household led by children who are still school going. You, the expectation is the mother given an opportunity to go to school with electricity on in the household and, and them receiving water. So it, it forces us to move to an area where we cannot be able to match the 40% or 37% of unemployment as we have it now to turn all those people as municipalities into indigents. So on a practical level, yes. does it mean that given the current economic situation, you have more South Africans now unable to access those free basic services uh, simply because of the kind of criteria that is put in place? True. Hence, you have got quite a lot of energy losses due to illegal connections. Mm. These are people who then get the savings through the back door in an illegal manner, whether it's water or electricity, uh, where you have got where we are unable to provide waste connect, uh, uh, collection, uh, waste that is dumped at the corner in an informal settlement, because you find all these services lagging behind in terms of the expansion of services that needs to be given either for people who pay for it or people worse who are unable to pay uh, for that service and are residing at a particular 
informal settlement, even a formal settlement in some instances in, in, in a particular municipality. So there is this disjuncture where the alignment in terms of funds is not 50-50 where you are unemployed, you are a kid, you receive a, 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 a free basic services as defined uh, by the law. But we try and cover those who are elderly and with uh, 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 disabilities as our policies prioritizes them to ensure that they are the first on the line. But we do cut at a particular instance where we are unable, particularly in rural mm-hmm. municipalities and small towns, they are unable to have a 50% indigent if there's only a 50% that is employed within that particular municipality. And people then get to wonder, how come does a municipality owes ESCOM and whatever? Because to deal and chase the illegal connections, because everyone wants electricity. So if you say to them, you don't have money, you are not paying me, you put a meter, they also bypass a meter because you are going to disconnect them. Mm. So it needs a rotational system of management day to day and ensuring that economic development, both by the municipality, its province and the towns themselves, needs to be re-engineered so that people in one way or another find employment and be able to sustain their lives. So when you have given a house for free, for example, as an RTP, it means that person is unable to build for herself. She, in most instances, young as she is, is unable to pay for electricity, is unable to pay for wood. Mr. Miyaka, let me bring you back in here and talk about municipalities and the provision uh, of bucket toilets and this again being for 2019 and one of the figures that you have put together stats say is that 37 of municipalities are still using and implementing the bucket toilet system. Talk to me about the profile of these municipalities and whether there are some provinces that are more prone to using bucket toilets versus others. Thanks, Cathy. Well, when it comes to the bucket system, it's one area where there's been some improvement across the country in terms of provinces and municipalities that are using them. But there are still those that are having a dark area. Dark area in terms of their decreases very minimal. And now here we just need to understand we are talking of the municipalities that are serving those households. There are other households who are digging their own pits for the bucket system others using the private, they are not registered here. So the figures that you are talking about of the 37 municipalities, they are those that are reporting directly to the municipalities. And unfortunately, the picture has been more bleak around the Free State and the Northern Cape. Those are the two provinces which have got a high rate of municipalities that are still using the bucket toilet for 2019. And one of the municipalities which have got the highest rate is the Sototo in Free State at 7,006. And that is followed by the Nelson Mandela Bay at 6,010. Meaning that of all the top 10, the bulk of them are coming from the Free State, which are four, five of them, mm. and then followed by Northern Cape and Eastern Cape. 
it's it's quite interesting that you would have Nelson Mandela Bay, which is seen as a metro municipality, being, uh, you know, the second highest distributor of bucket toilets. Yes, it's very interesting, Kathy. But at the same time, you look around the background in terms of the users, mm. the community members who are provided the type of service. And if you look upon, if we had the detailed data at the lower level, there are a lot of townships which have been far for ages being there in Nelson Mandela. And such municipalities, some of them, they battled in terms of getting improved services. So it will be very much important if one zoom at the lower level unit mm. data and mm. get a better picture as to say out of the municipalities, which areas, because here we're talking of the metro, but if you go then to the lower level, you see a slight different picture. Are we able to compare this figure to what it was in, 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 in 2018? I certainly don't have it on um, the spread that you have released publicly, but perhaps uh, you have a, a different set of data uh, in front of you that can tell us how the situation has shifted in Nelson Mandela Bay. Yes, you are able to have the bucket system between 2018 and 2019. But now the one which you've got is only by province. It's not the breakdown by municipality. It's only at the provincial level. Okay, all right, sure. Yeah. So, so, th- so th- that that I believe then is 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 fair enough. From a Salga point of view, Miss um, Ngadimi, is this picture one that is good enough from a, a delivery of of services? And we know how big the the issue of sanitation is, and you know, there's just something so you know, undignified about the bucket toilet system, and we've seen so many protests around it. Uh, yeah, correct, Kathy. I mean, uh, and and uh, we have been receiving assistance as well as municipalities from the Department of Water and, and Sanitation with regard to jacking up, particularly in the Free State uh, Northwest. I, I have never come across in their reports uh, Northern Cape. Possibly they would be assisting um, as well. Hello. I'm still here. I think I, th- I, th- I think I think we may have lost uh, Mr. Miyaga, but we'll try and get him back up on the line. Right. You can thank, go on. Yeah. All right, thank you, Katie. Um, we 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 you you are spot on. We need to make our efforts uh, stronger in terms of issues, which particularly in areas and residences, which come a long way and have a history. Because from what uh, uh, it's being explained here, the experience of State SA is that some of the settlements are old and have been there for some time, which means the issue of migration is not necessarily the reason why we are seeing this stagnation in terms of growth and delivery. It would want us to do a zoom-in, ensuring that we, 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 we validate in each well, and madam. every municipality that has this uh, uh, bucket system and possibly put a time measure on how best can we eradicate them. But weren't these time measures put a long time ago? Hasn't it been an ongoing promise uh, that uh, there will be an, an eradication of the bucket toilet system? And, you know, even though uh, Mr. Miyaka was talking about the municipalities that have 
uh, you know, the, almost the top 10 that are really not progressing on this issue. When you look at the actual graphs of these numbers, there's still too many municipalities in this country that are relying on, on bucket toilets. Well, yes, Kat, it was. I remember uh, the, the department had put a target, uh, if I'm not uh, mistaken, that by 2019-2020 they would have eradicated it was still Mkonyane, the minister at the time, the eradication of the bucket system, particularly in the free state. Uh, we might have not meet, uh, met the target. Hence, I'm calling for possibly a realignment on how did we miss the target and what are the issues that we did not. You see the problem, in the, and it's a story for another day, but which is very critical when we assess local government in South Africa. It's how do we move and, and, and learn from what we have been doing best in, in carrying over the capacity and the skill that needs to be developed and enhanced, building towards that growth. What do we experience as Salga is even when there has been a firm foundation, when that foundation leaves, somebody else comes and take over uh, and not continue where KT left in terms of the acceleration of that program. But we commit that we'll go relook municipality by municipality in the free state, the top 10, and see what are the issues and possibly able to guide properly because States SA did indicate to us that this is one of the areas where they are also unhappy and ourselves as Saga were unhappy that the target was not met. I want to speak about the capacity of municipalities because often that is raised as a big contributor to why municipalities, at least some of them, are as dysfunctional as they are. And Moses, I'm going to bring you in here and ask you to speak to us about um, the employment in terms of positions in municipalities. Speak to us about that breakdown and also how we are doing when it comes to gender parity. Thanks, Katie. Well, I think uh, starting with the leadership, when it comes to the gender parity, the executive mayors and mayors, it's one area where the country is not doing good. If you look on the average percent, only 35% are female executive mayors and mayors, and the other 65% are males. And if you look on all the nine provinces, only one province which have got more female mayors than the males at 55% against 45. All the other eight, which is something which has been of a concern, well, there are many factors and reasons surrounding that. But what is interesting, the vacancy rate for mayors, they are very much minimal. Those positions most of the times are filled in. But if you come to the general workforce, again, there we see some balance when it comes to councillors. Because 59% are male councillors and 41% are female councillors. And generally, when it comes to the workforce of municipalities, there hasn't been much increase. It's only 5.1% between the two years, 2018 and 2019, with a total of 334,086 units. But they are spread according to provinces. It's more being stable. Most of the provinces, they've been on a slight increase. 
Yes, there are, which have reflected a decline like Northern Cape from 10,428 to 9,402. And the other one, which have also reflected a slight decline, although it's been very, very minimal, is Eastern Cape from 31,696 to 34,136. But if you go to provinces like Gauteng, there's been sort of a huge increase from 87,972 employees to 100,326. So when it comes to the employment, it's a very interesting part, Mm. especially also on the rate of vacancies within municipalities. Because when you go to the municipal employment, the non-management position, most of them now they've got the high rate of vacancies. Are you able to understand why this is happening? And I know that it, it may not be primarily one of the things that you look into. We might have to look to some of the Auditor General's reports uh, to actually find an answer there. But uh, from a stats essay perspective, are they, is there anything that is emerging that points to why this could be the case? Look, it's difficult to answer for the municipalities, mm. uh, Katie. But from Stats experience, the decline on the funding generally from all public sector institutions contributed a lot when it comes to vacancies. The processes that had to be followed by the institutions of filling up any vacant positions have also led to some sort of delay on filling up those vacant positions. So effectively, there's been some kind of freeze unofficially on um, filling empty positions in municipalities. Well, that would be the public sector generally. Mm. But when it comes to municipalities specifically, it's a very dicey situation because it varies from one municipality to the other. Mm. Uh, But the main driving force is the revenue generation. The more or lesser revenue they generate, it's difficult for them to fill in vacant posts. Ms. Ngadimeng, let me bring you in here and perhaps get Salga's own understanding of what's leading to um, this high, you know, high rate of, of, of open positions in municipalities. Well, Kathy, it's very difficult to attract uh, skills at local government municipalities. Uh, level and sphere, uh, precisely because uh, municipalities, as they turned out to be now, they're highly volatile. We've actually placed in Parliament as Saga a review on some of the legislation which will assist uh, municipalities um, to to become better. I mean, for example, uh, 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 MEC Maile uh, took a, a report on the review just some two weeks ago of his municipalities, and there were findings which were made which also indicate that in some instances, council forced officials uh, to do things which um, are not uh, correct by law. And officials tend to be shy uh, to come to the sphere. Uh, you could imagine if you are the municipal manager of Nelson Mandela Bay and you have to sit in that council. What comes to mind when you think of a Nelson Mandela Bay council, whether it's Tswane council, whether it's Polokwane Municipality Council as an official. The challenge we have, which makes the the sphere less attractive, is that we've got both the executive powers and the administrative powers 
and oversight sitting with councillors in one room. Today they give you instructions delegated by the law. Tomorrow they must provide oversight, the very same councillors. Now that makes the law not to, to be friendly towards a, 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 employment of a skilled personnel. I know of municipalities, including the one where I'm a mayor, mm. where you advertise three, four times and you get 11 applications of all people who don't qualify. Because there's fear in, in its nature. And this is where the discussion, it becomes difficult. People think we're pointing names, but if we want to fix local government, we need to talk about these difficult things. We have put at the National Assembly, for example, and it has been rectified, it's waiting for NCOP, that we need to have officials who are part from serving a political office in a particular political party if they work in a municipality. Because we are too close to communities. Originally, an ordinary person who is a, a, a resident of a particular municipality engage with the municipality almost once a month, and that is minimum. So if we have got a high political turnover uh, in municipalities, it creates problems and it creates instability and uh, uh, professionals shy away. Mm. You could imagine if you are a chartered accountant, you want to be a CFO at Twane uh, 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 Council. You prepare your budget, then we come with our politics. You are supposed to present that budget in that council. That council doesn't sit. Your ratings in, in SICA are going down. Uh, you have been unable to provide and put a budget. Would you stay there? No. If another private company is looking for a chartered accountant, you will quickly move. And this is what we have to correct and put it that ideally we had an ambitious constitution and a local government uh, uh, act which expected all of us to be taking a partnership that is positive in building our communities. But 20 years on, there are learnings which we can't close our eyes on. That is why it is difficult to to deal with municipalities. The second mm-hmm. part which attached to this, KT makes a mess in municipality A because the contract in the main is five years. When it's two and a half to three years, he moves to municipality B. At least mm-hmm. Copter now has started the process I'm told there are over 200 names of people who now are going to be part to move from one municipality or the other because they left the other one having transgressed. Mm. And that is why the issue of accountability has also been a problem. So we need to zoom in holistically and look into municipalities. And I'm happy that there are signs now from our portfolio committee as well, which keeps on meeting municipalities directly and demand these answers. But SSA can be able to tell you how many municipalities have CFOs, how many doesn't have. But the third element is the grading of municipalities. Mm. It doesn't help. You see, when you are a premier, whether Northern Cape has got less population, Limpopo has a high or Houteng has a high, you are a premier, you, you, you are in the same scale. Unfortunately, for small towns and uh, uh, small rural municipalities, they are graded less. So a, a city of Johannesburg can be able to pay a chartered accountant while um, Kanduli they can pay a chartered mm, accountant. Mm. And no one goes there. So you subject the poor to be the more the poorest because that municipality will not be able to attract skills even if they are doing well. I mean, there's a municipality, for example, saying in the Eastern Cape. Uh, uh, Moses knows about it. It has been having keen audit eight years in a row. Eight. 
They are the poorest. They, they, are, they, they are moving from one level to the other. Yet, eight times mm. in a row, they've been able to tell you, you have given us 10 rand, and this is what we have done with the money. So why, why, why not say we will use a rating system? If you perform properly, we will add, put more money, grading. we yeah. will increase. That's what we are putting on the table as South. Because you can't have a blanket approach, I understand. Give more money, give more money. Let's be forced to account what we have been given. If we are showing signs of growth and development, let us be committed, let us be supported, be given more funds for our communities, and we account to the AG year in, year out. But the system that we have now, it punishes the poor. And that is why, in most instances, attraction is difficult. In, in the local sphere. All right. It's certainly been an incredibly insightful conversation. I'm going to take a couple of WhatsApp voice notes before we wrap up and hand over to Sakina Kamwendo. Good day to you and your guest. How is it possible that DA-led municipalities show clean audits, good service delivery, no corruption? Unlike the ANC-led municipalities, full of corruption, poor service delivery, and just nothing at all for the communities. Water, electricity, always a problem with ANC-held municipalities. What happens to these councillors? They walk free, they don't have any set qualifications, audits are bad. Why is it so that 27 years the ANC cannot get it right? How is that possible? Thank you from Chapter 2. Hi, Kathy. One simple question that the ANC has to answer correctly. Why are all the municipalities in the Western Cape totally up to date with their Eskom payments as compared to the rest of the municipalities? But answer it in full and correctly. Please push them on it. Thanks. All right, so those are just some of the issues coming up on our WhatsApp line. Uh, perhaps, <laughs> Ms. Nkadimeng, let me give you the opportunity to respond here. And I know that uh, you are part of the ANC, so, um, you know, you, you might feel well, the I'm need to defend. <laughs> I'm not speaking on behalf of the yes, ANC. Yes. And my responsibility will not to name and shame. Mm. But there are municipalities where you can learn from, and there are municipalities where you can actually take people to say avoid such things. And they are cross-balanced. It could be that, uh, I mean, I wouldn't say as a, a custodian of municipalities, this party runs better than the other. But in our 257 municipalities, for example, if you want to learn about revenue enhancement, Eguruleni is better uh, in the country. If you want to learn about proper planning of spatial movement and development, Steve Twete, which is ran by another party in the country, is better. In Pumalang, are the bad municipalities in Pumalang? Yes. Are the bad municipalities in Gauteng? Yes. Are the bad municipalities in the Western Cape? Yes. Do you have a rural area in Kailija? Yes. Is it happy about its service? And uh, uh, no. So we, we, we do not look into pockets of what, because if you detail a municipality, they are almost all the anomalies that this is a find in each and every municipality. All right. It may be ran well, but it has a shake that does not have water. 
We're going to have to leave it there for today. Unfortunately, we've completely run out of time for um, our session. Uh, Of course, we'll be back with you again tomorrow. It's time to hand over to Sakina Kamwendo on the update at noon. Let me thank all of my guests for their time today. Sakina, a very good afternoon to you.